Welcome to the Holmesville Church of the Brethren. This is the worship service for June 12th, 2022. Join in our call to worship. Come in from the night. It is a new day, and this is where love lives. Take off your coat. Let the weight fall off your shoulders. For here you are known. Here you are loved. Come in from the rain. We can do anything together. We can survive together. When the world unravels from under your feet, come in, come in, come in. God is here. You are home. You will never be alone. Let us worship the God who weaves us together.
When the world falls apart around us, when love unravels and life slowly fails, draw us in. Show us grace, for you gave the wind its weight, and you speak to us of life. Instruct us in your wisdom. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Our scripture is Job twenty eight, twelve through twenty eight. 
But where shall wisdom be found, and where is the place of understanding? Mortals do not know the way to it, and it is not found in the land of the living. The deep says, It is not in me, and the sea says, It is not with me. It cannot be bought for gold, and silver cannot be weighed out as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. The chrysolite of Ethiopia cannot compare with it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. Where, then, does wisdom come from? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and Death say, We have heard a rumor of it with our ears. God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens when he gave to the wind its weight, and apportioned out the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the thunderbolt, then he saw it and declared it, he established it and searched it out. And he said to humankind, Truly, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Unraveled, Job's Lament and Loss. What has come unraveled? Job's life in every way imaginable. His property has been destroyed or stolen. His children have been killed suddenly in an outrageous and horrific accident. His own body is ravaged with a lingering illness, boils covering every inch of his flesh. And to top it off, his support system is nothing short of rotten. His wife tells him to curse God and die. His friends have bought into what we might call the prosperity gospel long before that term was invented. They all tell him that since everything happens for a reason, perhaps it is his own fault that his life has been destroyed. He needs to root out his sin, confess, then live a good life and he will be blessed. Job seems to be wearing a target, a kick-me sign on his back, and there is nothing he can do, nowhere he can turn for solace. So he does what many of us do when the chips are down, we plead our case with God. Job holds on to his own righteousness. He pleads his own innocence. Just as he reasons with his friends, he reasons with God. All this trouble can't be his own fault, but even his reasoning becomes unraveled. And the prosperity gospel theology that tells him and his friends that only good things happen to good people, all of that comes unraveled, too. And Job is left with nothing. No sure answers, no easy explanations, no three-step plan for living your best life now. 
And if God's thundering answer at the end of Job's book is less than satisfying, well, maybe that is appropriate, because there is no easy answer to the problem of suffering. Kate Bowler knew there were no easy theological answers. She had just published a book called Blessed, A History of the American Prosperity Gospel. Her Mennonite upbringing did not allow for the trite sayings and pat answers of those who would tell her that everything happens for a reason and that God will make a way. She knew that the problem of evil is not so easily addressed. Then she got the phone call no one ever thinks they will get. She had been to the doctor with unexplained abdominal pains and had been run through the standard tests, but nothing prepared her for the news that she had been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. She was told that she needed to come to the hospital right away. She was 35 years old. She said, All I could think of to say was, But I have a son. I can't end. This world can't end. It has just begun. And then I called my husband, and he rushed to find me, and I said all the true things that I have known. I said, I have loved you forever. I have loved you forever. I am so sorry. Please take care of our son. And then, as I began the walk to the hospital, it crossed my mind for the first time. Oh, how ironic. I had just written a book called Blessed. I continue to quote Kate. The prosperity gospel is a theodicy, an explanation for the problem of evil. It is an answer to the questions that take our lives apart. Why do some people get healed and some don't? Why do some people leap and land on their feet while others tumble all the way down? Why do some babies die in their cribs and some bitter souls live to see their great-grandchildren? The prosperity gospel looks at the world as it is and promises a solution. It guarantees that faith will always make a way. I would love to report that what I found in the prosperity gospel was something so foreign and terrible to me that I was warned away. But what I discovered was both familiar and painfully sweet. The promise that I could curate my life, minimize my losses, and stand on my successes. And no matter how many times I rolled my eyes at the creed's outrageous certainties, I craved them just the same. I had my own prosperity gospel, a flowering weed grown in with all the rest. Married in my 20s, a baby in my 30s, I won a job at my alma mater straight out of graduate school. I felt breathless with the possibilities. Actually, it's getting harder to remember what it felt like, but I don't think it was anything as simple as pride. It was certainty plain and simple, that God had a worthy plan for my life in which every setback would also be a step forward. I wanted God to make me good and make me faithful with just a few shining accolades along the way. 
Anything would do if hardships were only detours on my long life's journey. I believed God would make a way. I don't believe that anymore. End quote. Yes, we want to believe that we can insulate ourselves from troubles by being good people. We want to believe that if other people have problems, somehow they are responsible for those problems themselves. Maybe they didn't do what was right. Maybe they ate wrong, or voted wrong, or drove too fast. But the real answers are much more complicated than that. And there is no guarantee that we will ever know those real answers. Any reading of the scripture should shake up our prosperity pretensions. After all, there was only one perfect person, and instead of living his best life now in a palace, he died a cruel, tortured death on a Roman cross. Brothers and sisters, there is one thing we do know. That is that Christ does not desert us. God does not leave us alone in our suffering. Here is how the Apostle Paul puts it. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Romans 5, 1-11 in her TED Talk, Kate Bowler spoke of her experience of the Christ who does not desert us in our sufferings. Quote, We all want reasons. We want formulas to predict whether our hard work will pay off, whether our love and support will always make our partners happy and our kids love us. We want to live in a world in which not one ounce of our hard work or our pain or our deepest hopes will be for nothing. We want to live in a world in which nothing is lost. But what I have learned in living with stage 4 cancer is that there is no easy correlation between how hard I try and the length of my life. In the past three years, I've experienced more pain and trauma than I ever thought I could survive. But at the same time, I've experienced love, so much love, love I find hard to explain. The other day, I was reading the findings of the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, and yes, there is such a thing. People were interviewed about their brushes with death in all kinds of circumstances, car accidents, labor and delivery, suicides, and many reported the same odd thing, love. I'm sure I would have ignored it if it hadn't reminded me of something I had experienced, something I felt uncomfortable telling anyone, that when I was sure that I was going to die, I didn't feel angry. 
I felt loved. It was one of the most surreal things I have experienced. In a time when, in which I should have felt abandoned by God, I was not reduced to ashes. I felt like I was floating, floating on the love and prayers of all those who hummed around me like worker bees, bringing me notes and socks and flowers and quilts embroidered with words of encouragement. But when they sat beside me, my hand in their hands, my own suffering began to feel like it had revealed to me the suffering of others. I was entering a world of people just like me, people stumbling around in the debris of dreams they thought they were entitled to and plans they didn't realize they had made. It was a feeling of being more connected somehow with other people, experiencing the same situation. And that feeling stayed with me for months. In fact, I'd grown so accustomed to it that I started to panic at the prospect of losing it. So I began to ask friends, theologians, historians, nuns I liked, what am I going to do when that loving feeling is gone? And they knew exactly what I was talking about because they had either experienced it themselves or they'd read about it in great works of Christian theology. And they said, Yeah, it'll go. The feelings will go. And there will be no formula for how to get it back. But they offered me this little piece of reassurance, and I clung to it. They said, When the feelings recede like the tides, they will leave an imprint. And they do. And it is not proof of anything and it is nothing to boast about. It was just a gift. So I can't respond to the thousands of emails I get with my own five-step plan to divine health and magical floating feelings. I see that the world is jolted by events that are wonderful and terrible, gorgeous and tragic. I can't reconcile the contradiction except that I am beginning to believe that these opposites do not cancel each other out. Life is so beautiful and life is so hard. Life will break your heart and life may take everything you have and everything you hope for. But there is one kind of prosperity gospel that I believe in. I believe that in the darkness, even there, there will be beauty, and there will be love. And every now and then, it will feel like more than enough. Let us pray. God, there are so many things we do not understand. Give us the grace to live without knowing all the answers, to say with Job, I know that my Redeemer lives, and to let that knowledge be enough. In Jesus' name, amen.
receive the benediction. Go in love, for love alone endures. Go in peace, for it is the gift of God. Go in safety, for we cannot go where God is not. Amen.